Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Sudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. It's always great to be with all of you, and I am especially honored and pleased uh, this episode to be joined uh, by the fearless and uh, the heroic uh, Ezra Nomani. Ezra, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much, Sudhi. A lot of people don't know this, but, uh, you know, I, as you know from my my fearlessness, as we call it, in the Muslim community, there aren't a lot of guys that I want to call my brother in Islam because most of them stand there at the front door of the mosque and tell me, sister, take the back door. But you, I consider my brother because well. you have stood fearlessly yourself as a... He for she, as Emma Watson likes to put it in the hashtag campaign. And so I'm so happy to be here with you. It's been many, many years of fighting in the trenches, and I'm so happy to report back to you and all your viewers and listeners about all our successes and challenges and ultimate goals for victory. Well, you've been an unbelievable uh, colleague and partner in this uh, uh, battle, and uh, I am just... uh, uh, thrilled to let our audience know about your book that's released. Uh, let me introduce all of you to Ezra. She's a West Virginia native and a longtime uh, resident of Northern Virginia. She just published a book, uh, The Woke Army, The Red-Green Alliance That Is Destroying America's Freedom. And uh, Ezra, as you may know her from Fox and uh, um, major media, is a former Wall Street Journal reporter, co-founder of the uh, Pearl Project, investigated the murder of journalist Daniel Pearl, and she's co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement that uh, I co-founded with her, and she's a senior fellow in the practice of journalism at the Independent Women's Network that investigates indoctrination in schools. And her book really has been a long time coming. We've been talking about it for some time. It chronicles a lot of our efforts, and uh, you know, I think before we dive into this woke army, because as you know, Esra, the, the West and America especially has woken up to the woke culture and wokeism just in the last five, six years. But you've been working on this book, working in the trenches against Islamism long before this, and we've sort of been heralding the trajectory of the left-green, the the uh, uh, red-green alliance, the left-Islamist alliance, and that sort of, we weren't surprised at all by wokeism. Do you want to sort of give us a little background about what you, where you came from in West Virginia and, and then Northern Virginia and, and, and why this book was such a long time coming. Yeah, thank you so much. My birth was in India. I was born in the summer of 1965, and my family is a traditional family in Muslim culture. My mother wore the full face veil as a teenager. She was not allowed to... Uh, go on to higher education because one day the driver ratted her out and told the elders in the family that my mother had dared to take the face veil off when she'd entered the girls' college. So she was summarily married off to my dad in an arranged marriage. And there she actually was affirmed and supported and she started to really come of her own also. I mean, our our family, our my maternal family, is beautiful and lovely. Uh, she just had a much more traditional expectations and upbringing. And so my father and she came to America, and here she ended up becoming a business businesswoman, babysitting for a dollar a day, trying to raise money for my brother and me to be able to come to the U.S. And four years later, from my birth, I arrived in the, in the U.S. in the summer of 1969. It was a time of great strife, you know, and there was a lot of a lot of conversations about identity and race, uh, human rights and civil rights, women's rights, and that's the childhood that I had growing up first in New Jersey and then Morgantown, West Virginia. And, and in Morgantown, you know, as you experienced, Zudi, I was also growing up 
with the exportation of this new interpretation and puritanical interpretation of Islam from Saudi Arabia called Wahhabism. And it was entering into our communities in the U.S., as you've talked about on the podcast and, and the show. But for me, it was a different reality. You know, my parents believed in the best of the expressions of Islam for equal rights and whenever they got a scolding that I needed to stop running because I was wearing shorts as a Morgantown High Mohegan, they would let me move forward in life. My dad drove me in a Subaru from the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains to Manhattan for my first internship at Harper's Magazine. And so for me, you know, this was the country that was able to afford me more opportunities than any Muslim country would have allowed me as a girl. And I became a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, ended up reporting on corporate America with 9-11. Like a lot of journalists, I got on an airplane and went to Pakistan, where half my family lived, having left India. And there, I rented a home in Karachi, Pakistan, and on this fateful day, January 23rd, 2002, my dear friend Danny Pearl came to visit, and it was then that I really confronted, you know, this beast that is Islamism as we know it today, extremist Islam. And in in that struggle to try to find Danny, a Muslim reformer was born in me, a Muslim feminist, and it was in those years then, Zudi, that I ended up challenging with you these establishment Muslims in the United States that were promoting and uh, and and you know running cover for these dangerous ideologies of Islam. And that's when you and I came into their crosshairs. But for me, I was really also chasing the truth of what had happened to Danny. And that's how I made the move from West Virginia as a new mother uh, to Virginia and made my home here in order to investigate Danny's murder as a professor at Georgetown University. And that's when I started confronting not only the Islamists that are living literally here in Northern Virginia, but their intersection with the wokists, as we call it, pushing this wokeism that we know today. And and to sort of get people up to speed over the last 23 years, not only 9-11, but then during the Iraq War, we saw a lot of the Islamist Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups claiming victimization, claiming that America was anti-Muslim. Then comes the Ground Zero Mosque in 2010, and Peter King then had hearings on Muslim radicalization, and that's where you and I basically put put our work into overdrive, and uh, we testified multiple times uh, to Congress uh, as part of their panels on the real root cause of Muslim radicalization. And if you want to lay down, sort of lay out for us uh, uh, the premise of this anti, the fact that we were sort of saying that, no, the victims are Muslims from other Muslims, and that the victimization mantra is actually going to set America up for failure, not just about Muslims who are barely one and a half percent of the population, but everybody is going to become a victim of this sort of minority obsessed identity politic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, I'm so glad you brought us back to that Peter King hearing because I met you and you were testifying first and I was in the spectator gallery with my parents. And we watched in shock as you, a man of, quote, color, you know, a, a minority, a, uh, a a winner in the oppression matrix by so many standards, was suddenly turned into a white supremacist by the Democrats on the panel. We just couldn't believe it. It was the first time that I witnessed this upside-down world that we are all living in today. And then what I saw is in the days that followed this targeted character assassination against you, Zuthi, I watched on Facebook an anonymous page emerge Zudi Josser is a clown, you know, and it went unchallenged. This was the height of this disinformation. This was really not the height, but the launch of this disinformation against you as a, you know, sincere, intelligent, 
voice from within our Muslim community challenging extremism. You'd think that would be something that we would celebrate, but no, what the Muslim establishment did and what the book chronicles now is it was organizations like ones that you've talked about, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, that organize this very serious disinformation character assassination campaign. And we have to be really clear what is going on here. It is a domestic disinformation campaign. You're a military man. You understand warfare. They weaponized technology in order to discredit opponents. And you, Zuli, were an opponent. I ended up also becoming an opponent. And what they did is they took victimhood and grievance and made it so that they would hijack the empathy of our American public and make themselves a victim beyond anyone else. And what did they do? This is what I learned. What they did as a tactic was they used this new concept that we understand today. It wasn't new at the time, but this concept that's new to many people of critical race theory, which looks at world and society through the lens of race. And they used it in order to racialize Muslims and to make any criticism of extremism or Islamism racist and Islamophobic. And who were they protecting? They were protecting the very governments that you, Zudi, have so courageously and boldly and clearly uh, gone up against. You were the one who educated me as a Muslim also to the fact that we have this entire network of you know, political Islam. Behind me are the books. You know, these mm-hmm. are the books. I, I organize it chronologically, and we start with Islam's birth, and then we have the emergence of political Islam into the modern day. And what happened is these organizations like the Council on American-Islamic Relations used race in order to turn themselves into a more acceptable victim in American society. They ended up being able to use race then as their Trojan horse into the Democratic Party and into Democratic philanthropies so that they could get the grants and the money and then the cover and the coalitions in order to silence us. And and that is the key because I think what is so amazing about your book is that Missing in today's discourse is real journalism. We have all these people sort of uh, doing the the Twitter um, inflammatory thing, and and we're we, every day we're asking where are the real journalists. And your book lays out it, it shows the receipts. It talks about you know when people look at back during COVID, we saw the BLM riots and and other things as far as destroying America's foundations, and they're like, where did this all come from? And nobody really understood. You show how we were seeing in the Muslim community for for years the 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 trajectory of what was happening to whether it was the Ground Zero mosque, the response in the hearings, Loon Watch that laid out exactly uh, 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 the attacks on us was not. It looked like some sort of spontaneous, anonymous thing, but the reality is you lay out in your book, and this is why it's so important for to Americans to understand, you lay out in your book that this is a real operation from Islamist groups, and you name the names. Tell us about Loon Watch. Oh, my gosh. So Loon Watch is this website that was created on April Fool's Day, 2009. And I'm going to just refine <laughs> this one. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that perfect? So who doesn't know what April Fool's Day is about, right? And so the chapter in the book, then, it's um, called, um, let me just find it real quick. It is called Building a Propaganda Machine. And that is really important because what happens is, they are losing the information war. They do not have truth on their side. What they have on their side, unfortunately, is an interpretation of Islam that is being promulgated into the world to suppress people, to deny us our human rights, to deny us fundamental um, fundamental uh, equality. So when I was told to go through the back door at my mosque, it wasn't just a man standing there. He was perpetuating an ideology. And that ideology was put forward by 
this organization. And so I'm going to just tell you what it was. April Fool's Day, 2009, a man by the name of Zuhair Thomas ends up buying a website on a platform called GoDaddy.com. You can register websites there. Well, Zuhair Thomas ends up putting an address that ends up being the Lowe's Hotel in Philadelphia. He puts in his phone number. It's the Lowe's Hotel again. And so this is, again, just what you're talking about, just basic journalism that I did here. But I did need the courts because what happened is that Loonwatch was registered privately. And what happened is that they would publish attack upon attack upon Muslim reformers, conservatives, America, law enforcement, the military. Pro-Israel groups. The state of Israel, exactly, pro-Israel groups, and then my native India. India became the new Israel for them, and they needed to conquer Muslims there. But they had to do it by discrediting, discrediting us and putting out their disinformation. And what did Zuhair Thomas do? He bought up more websites. And what I did is I filed a lawsuit in Fairfax County Court. It's a defamation suit, and it was against the John Doe names that were the authors of these character assassinations on Loon Watch. Let's let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll follow up. We'll follow. Uh, further on the lawsuit that exposed the reality behind this, what I think is the real astroturf Muslims with it, that are the Islamists. We'll be right back. We're back on Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network with the fearless journalist, the amazing journalist, uh, Esra Nomani, a uh, colleague and co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement and also a renowned journalist with the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and... Uh, currently also with the Daniel Pearl Project. We're talking about her new book, The Woke Army, The Red-Green Alliance That is Destroying America's Freedom. And we left off at the edge of our seats talking about what was happening at this uh, you know, website called Loon Watch that was a vehicle for attacking Muslims. And it was basically anonymous. They were all using fakes, fake names. And somehow Ezra figured out who they were. So... Where I last left you was that I filed a lawsuit in Fairfax County Court. It was a defamation lawsuit because what they, this Loon Watch did was they published an article, Zudi, against you, against me, against Raheel Raza, and all these other brave Muslims that have emerged as leaders in our Muslim reform movement. And what did they call us? They called us AstroTurf. But I knew that they were publishing lies. For one thing, they said that we were funded by the government of Israel. And that was just like a quick hit, easy way to try to discredit us because you uh, you uh, attach the dislike, the hate, the distrust of Jews to Israel, and then you dis- discredit us. And so they were speaking to their base. I knew it was a lie, and as a journalist, I knew that only truth is the defense for libel. And so I filed my lawsuit, and this is the beauty of America's courts. When you file a lawsuit against John Doe defendants, you get to file subpoenas against the internet service providers, as these platforms are called. So I got my subpoenas together in the summer, a full summer. It took, I had young, one young intern working with me. We started writing them. And One of them went to a business called GoDaddy. And there I ended up being able to get the back records on this Zuhair Thomas who had bought this website called LoonWatch.com. I can't even tell you the day that I got that USB, 500 plus pages of documents, page after page, I started seeing the clues and There they were. So Hare Thomas was actually the alias for a man by the name of Muhammad Tawseef Akbar. And who is he? Research Director at Council on American Islamic Relations, Chicago Chapter. 
He put into the back end information the phone number for care, their address. He would call with the usual gripes that we all have with our internet service providers. Oh, it's not working. The email's not going through. And they would have all those records. His phone, his callback number would be to the care office in Chicago. And then what I learned at the Wall Street Journal was you got to follow the money. And sure enough, as I looked for the receipts, just like you mentioned, Zudi, in the last segment, I looked for the receipts, and there in documentation form was the credit card number, the address, the zip code, everything for the person buying LoonWatch.com, and it was, and it is no one other than Ahmed Rehab the executive director for the Council on American-Islamic Relations Chicago chapter. And so he, a representative also, a man who's had position with CARE National, has been running since 2009 a secret character assassination domestic disinformation campaign while running cover for these Islamist governments. We unmasked them, Zuthi. We found out who they are. And and that work is so essential because take Ahmed Rehab and amplify him a hundred times. This is a guy who you'll find pictures of him 2011 marching on the streets of Cairo with the Muslim Brotherhood saying that he was uh, uh, supposedly against Mubarak, which he was, but he was also pro-Brotherhood, pro-Islamist. I ran into him multiple times in green rooms debating him, and he claimed to be moderate, etc., but he was actually running multiple operations, not only a front operation where his Care Chicago site had an intern published piece on their homepage that said why the Muslim community should, be, should not engage and, and should be afraid of Zudi Jasser, the Muslim reform movement, and others. So he did that on the front lines, and then also behind the scenes would force multiply that with this anonymous you know, uh, uh, assassination articles that would uh, uh, try to uh, libel us in, in a way that appeared to be larger than it was. So now let's fast forward to the wokeism movement and, and let's explain to the rest of America why their, their interactions with the left, we, we understood this long before and what's happening now because you in Northern Virginia have been on the front lines of another battle which is related to parental rights, related to discrimination against uh, uh, Asian Americans against uh, uh, white Americans and others, all where meritocracy is taking a second uh, 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 place to identity politics. Yeah, and what is so critical to understand is how this happened. So Ahmed Rehab, with very illiberal ideas and very un-American ideas, had to figure out a way in order to penetrate public discourse in America. And so one thing that they used was race. Another tactic was to discredit those who were their critics. And then what they did is they used that that strategy then to enter into the democratic liberal establishment. No better example than characters like, you know, um, our good friend um, Linda Sarsour. You know, she ends up not. <laughs> yes, exactly. She ends up leading the women's march in the end of 2016 and 2017, a symbol of feminism. When in fact she perpetuates, you know, this misogyny that is part of the Islamist interpretation of our faith. And so, what they were able to do was use these new concepts like intersectionality in order to get the left, liberals and Democrats, to just have a blind eye to their uh, inconsistencies, you know, with their actual values and American values. And so how did I see this emerge for the first time? Well, Zudi, you know me, always doing my field reporting. So I RSVP for a fundraiser in the fall of 2019 for the American Muslims for Palestine organization. You want to tell people a little bit about them? 
Well, the AMP is a, is a known um, Brotherhood legacy group. It has uh, uh, long basically tried to espouse that they're not Hamas, etc., but yet they basically toe the line and have also been uh, right in line with uh, a lot of the anti-Semitism and, and, and other ideologies that have been funded uh, in the past by the Saudis, but now uh, obviously uh, are part of the Islamist uh, legacy. Yeah, by nations like Qatar and Turkey now. Yeah. And so... What is their agenda? Is the destruction of the state of Israel. Like this is constant throughout the themes of the woke army and its work for, by both not only the Islamists but the leftists. And so there I am quietly entering the, uh, you know, high-rise hotel and going in to take my seat at this fundraiser. Mark Lamont Hill was supposed to be the keynote address, you know, and yeah, raising money for them. He just lost his hosting job at the time because he'd had this moment at the UN where he said from the river to the sea they will claim Israel and so we know what that means the river the Jordan River the sea meaning everything in between and he's and he's not a Muslim so that's a the epitome of an example of the of the red green alliance is Lamont Hill espousing an Islamist mantra yeah, exactly. And so they had succeeded. So this is 2009, remember, April Fool's Day. They launched Loon Watch. They do all this work. And so we go from being, you know, real voices accepted in our American community to being discredited as Islamophobes. And a man like Mark Lamont Hill is now triumphed, right? But he loses his cachet because there's just this little bit where you're not supposed to destroy the state of Israel, like at that moment. It's not lasting, of course. So I'm sitting there quietly eating my baklava, you know, and all of a sudden, towards the end of the evening, a young woman walks forward. She introduces herself. She says, I am a Brar Omesh, and I am running for Fairfax County School Board. I don't know if you know her dad, Zudi, do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have okay. uh, had uh, entanglements with him on uh, online many times. So let's tell everybody about him for just a moment. So his name is Isam Omesh. And what, are, what would you give people as their cliff notes on Isam Omesh? Cliff notes, you can go back to 2007 when he was appointed to a human rights commission in Virginia. And uh, we were, I was involved, uh, we were involved in exposing the reality of his radical anti-Semitism, his uh, open support of Hamas. And thankfully, uh, I'm escaping who the governor was at the time, but thankfully that, that governor then withdrew the appointment. I think it was Tim, Tim Kaine, actually, exactly. um, withdrew uh, the appointment of Omesh, exposing that here is a, a brotherhood uh, a devotee that was almost going to be representing uh, Virginia on a human rights commission. Yeah, so it's important to note, remember Tim Kaine's name, everyone, and we're going to come back to it, but this was a battle you won, but they were in a long war. And now, steps forward in twenty in 2019, his daughter, Abrar Omesh, new graduate of Yale University, you know, they've made it in America. It's a great American story. And what does she want to do? She says it explicitly as I'm watching. Rewrite curriculum on the issue of Palestine and Islam. And we know what her rewriting means. We, you and I know this. The country was to discover. And I watched and I was shocked. And I then started paying attention to this new entry that the Islamists were making into our local school board right here. We, You and I know, and the book documents so explicitly how they created a hub, these Muslim brothers, in the 1980s at a building called 500 Grove Street, right down the road from me in Herndon, Virginia. That was the hub in which they were able to create this alphabet soup of organizations that Zudi has so bravely called out year after year, making him a target. So Zudi, that's you. You expose these guys. And so here we are, 2019. And that hub is now helping to finance a young woman 
on our school board. Why? Because this woke army, this nexus of the Islamists with the far left, they had their eyes on America's schools. They had their eyes on America's kids. And why not? It's the strategy of all the indoctrinators, right, to reach these kids when they're young. And wow, what we were about to discover just blew my mind, just blew my mind. And I think what's amazing, and and you and I haven't talked about this part, but if you look, for example, in Detroit right now, the Islamists are now coming out saying that uh, uh, they reject um, gay rights, they reject uh, a lot of the far left issues, and all of a sudden, I'm getting contact from conservative groups saying, "Oh, look at how great and modern, uh, moderated the Muslim groups are." And I'm like, "Whoa, hold on! Didn't you guys learn anything in the last 20 years that these guys uh, are, are? I mean, the guy running care in Detroit is probably one of the most radical care directors in the country, and yet he's coming across because now all of a sudden it's convenient, and they're they've they feel the left has taken it too far." They're having internal dilemmas, and we see this in Europe where this, this red-green alliance actually falls apart when the Islamists gain too much power because the left realizes they're not feminists, they're not gay rights activists, they're not free speech activists, they're theocrats in, in, you know, in sheep's clothing. Yeah, and that's exactly what unfolded, is that as Abrarome, she won. And so when she won, she was one of 12 Democrats elected to the school board. And with that monopoly, they were able to push this woke agenda. And Abraramesh and her father come from Darul Hijra Mosque, which you and I know very well. It's nicknamed the 9-11 Mosque because 9-11 hijackers prayed there. Her father, Isam Amesh, literally hired Anwar al-Awlaki, the Imam who was later killed in drone attack because of his alliance with Al-Qaeda. But what did she accept? I'll just bring in some of these books. This is this ideology. A is for activist. This this was okay by them, right? This was like, we're going to take back Palestine, you know? And here is a nice symbol of the alliance with the far um, left. Yeah. What is it? Z is for Zapatista. Do you know the Zapatistas, Zudi? No, no, I don't. So they're a Marxist socialist terror group in Mexico. Interesting. And, yeah, and look at the image, right? Looks like any guy from ISIS. They had books like this, Woke Baby, you know, which is, oh, activism, activism. No, it's not a threat, you know. Only rest, only rest, they said, until the next dawn, which is like a parent's nightmare, um, to have their baby up all night even. But what did they do then? This was critical race theory. This was advantageous to the Muslims and the Islamists. Bring in race. And just like you said, Zuthi, then the next thing that came was this, gay BCs. And this does not go over so well in that Islamist crowd because they are so puritanical, I mean, we would say tyrannical, right, that it's not that just that they take a moral position on homosexuality, they take a criminal position on it. And no matter how you know conservative your morality may be about issues of sexuality, there's two points that I think everybody can agree on. You don't talk about this stuff to little four-year-olds who don't even remember to brush their teeth or they don't even know how to tie their shoelace. You don't bring, you know, books like Gender Queer, a book that has pornography in it, to the hands of middle schoolers. And that's where the left and the Islamists finally had a division, right? But I just so appreciate the work that you've done, Zuthi, because... In the early years, what you have magically been able to do is, you know, argue very persuasively about how in conservative community they need to recognize that Islam is not monolithic, right? You've done that. I know it's great, great, um, you know, with great patience. And 
you have allowed that growth then within the conservative community, and that's great. So now we can't let them forget that these guys are dangerous, you know, that they may be aligned with you on socially conservative issues, but they will never be with you on fundamental issues like human rights, free speech, the state of Israel, you know, and they will actually work against you. And so thank you for continuing that valiant effort. Well, thank you. When we come back, I want to talk about real diversity. What is Americanism and why actually the left is snuffing out diversity and how our Muslim reform movement, how uh, the the move that you have in this book, Woke Army, to expose uh, the uh, doctrine that they're trying to push down everybody's throats is actually, I think, the, the counter to that against critical race theory is going to be the real diverse movement of diversity in America. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. This is Zudi Jasser, and I'm honored to be joined by Esther Nomani, unbelievably fearless uh, former reporter of the Wall Street Journal who just released a book that every one of you should get, put on uh, uh, your mantle and share with your friends. It's called The Woke Army, and it's a new book about the Islamists joining the left-wing activists in this woke army, the Red-Green Alliance that's destroying America's freedom by Ezra Nomani. So we last left off talking about uh, the identity politic movement, critical race theory, all of the uh, sort of in-the-mud uh, politics that you've been on the front lines of. Now I want to sort of shift to talking about Many of us in the reform movement, including not only yourself and myself, Raheel Raza, and, and so many others, have been very active in, in sort of trying to get a voice of diversity. And we, we for longs, have been screaming from the top of our lungs, telling not only conservatives, but moderates and, and the left all over the, the U.S. and all over Europe, listen, if you really believe in diversity, then you should you should lift up ideological diversity, not ethnic diversity, not not simply skin-deep uh, uh, diversity, but ideological diversity. And yet it seems that now we, you have conservatives, especially, talking about the fact that schools are losing diversity. And the books that you just showed us in the last segment talk about ramming down a, a extremist Marxist ideology. And, and we saw through COVID and elsewhere the suppression of every other idea so that there was no diversity of thought. So so let's talk about the protagonists, those of us who've been on the front lines of Muslim reform, and what we can bring to the table to the rest of America in all of these battles against identity politics, critical race theory, etc. Yeah, you know, I think we have such a contribution to make, and and are we are making it. I'll give you an example of how it how our opportunity emerges. So over these last three years, almost, I've been waging this war as a mama bear with so many other parents, so many brave parents. And we have fought one really important idea that we have to keep politics out of school and we have to keep merit and fundamentals of education as our top priorities. So one of my colleagues in this has been a mom by the name of Suparna Datta. So Suparna is Hindu. She's an immigrant also from India. She is an accidental activist, just like me, on this education war front. Well, Suparna was ignored, just like all the rest of us parents, by our school board, including Abrar Omesh, who we talked about earlier. And so she said, okay, I'm going to change things. And who is it that we were facing? We were facing a man by the name of Atif Karni. He is the... He was the education secretary for the governor, uh, Ralph Northam. And when I looked at his political contributions, Zuthi, oh my gosh, where did they go? They went back to 500 Grove Street. And that whole network of investment houses and funds and all these alphabet soup of organizations and people that have propped up the entry of the Islamist interests into the Democratic Party. So Atif Garni put a hit on my son's high school, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, a high school 70% Asian, majority minority. Who were a lot of those minority students? 
Hindu students from India because their parents had come here for technology jobs. Well, Adit Karni used his power to change admissions to the school, get rid of our merit-based test, and he worked hand in glove with another man, a politician named Babur Latif, who also was funded by this Islamist network. I'm going into the weeds on this because I want these battles to come to life for people because here it was these people Zudi that you and I have battled on the religious front you know at the mosque establishments and now they were coming into my son's school and what was the first thing that Atif Karni did in order to silence me he called me an extremist yeah. And the Muslim Reform Movement, a hate group. A hate group, exactly. <laughs> wow, I was just like, are you kidding me? But it really disturbed me because this was now government. This was now the state Zuthi. It wasn't just these, you know, alphabet soup of Muslim brothers. It was the state. Secretary of Education. Yeah. And so why, do, why did... It matter that I existed because I challenged him as a Muslim reformer also. And that's how our Muslim reform movement matters and our leaders matter. Because fast forward, I told, introduced you to the story of Suparna Dutta. She helps to elect the governor, Glenn Youngkin. She's fed up, so she helps to elect him. He names her to the Virginia Board of Education we, the parents, finally feel like we have a voice. And who does she go toe-to-toe up against, Zuthi? The former governor, Tim Kaine's wife, Ann Holton. It's a debate about the U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Suparna argues that this text should remain in this curriculum. Remember, Abraham Ramesh wanted to go after the curriculum, right? The text should remain that these are remarkable documents. Anne Holton argues feverishly they are not remarkable documents. And then when the topic goes to socialism, she says, I don't see a problem with it in the United States. Suparna stood strong against this for the America, democracy, our system, our founding documents, a hit went out on Suparna that Sunday night just a few days later. Her name was supposed to go up for nomination now to the Virginia Senate. And who is it that ends up calling Suparna a white supremacist? First, a network called Red for Ed. So they're not being subtle. The red meaning their alliance with the far left and the socialists for ed. They want to enter into our educational system. Two days later, the nomination of Suparna Dutta is in before the Senate. And who is it that calls the swing voters among the Democrats? But a man by the name of Rafi Ahmed part of this network from 500 Grove Street. Another man, all from these mosques around this area that are part of this establishment that you and I have been challenging. So, Zudi, what was I able to do? At least speak up to it. Those Muslim leaders defamed Suparna as an anti-Muslim Hindu extremist, just like they've tried to defame us. But as a Muslim reformer, as a Muslim, I was able to write about it, expose it, speak up for Suparna, who stood strong even after, yes, a unanimous defeat of her nomination by the Dems. Introduced by who? A Muslim from India named Ghazala Hashmi. So we, as Muslim reformers, Zudi, we are so critical 
in standing up to these folks as they try to hijack America's political system to lean towards the Islamist agenda and this far left agenda. We're so critical. And I think if you look now, there's a, a, a lot of movement both in the center and in the right about the fact that the front line of politics across the country, as the Federalists and others have been writing, is at the school board level, is at the local community levels, and that that's where the future of America will be fought. And I think, uh, you know, the, the lesson that, that I'm hearing you talk about is that if America is going to move back to our roots, which is meritocracy, and not simply based on class basis or based on racial uh, preference, etc. So if you truly care about a civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s that, that was so important to bring us back to our principles, then you, you look what happened at, at, the high, at TJ and, and you see that here an Asian uh, um, majority school, which is a minority, was targeted because of class warfare. And yet the Dearborns of the world, where the Islamists are a majority, aren't subject to that same type of criticism. It's just absurd. Everything's upside down, where the Dearborns of the world are pushing Sharia into their cities, and where you have minorities that might happen to be a majority that are truly achieving because of meritocracy, they're being suppressed. And I think as we expose this, Muslim reformers can be sort of on the front lines, if you will, because they can't tell us, you know, in three days, that's where it's going to be uh, on March 15, it's going to be um, the Global Islamophobia Awareness Day, which the Islamists are pushing. And I think people need to start rejecting that term and, and realizing that it's the left and the Islamists that are working together to suppress free speech on these issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we count among our allies, ex-Muslims now, who have left Islam, but they are powerful voices coming from the Islamist, you know, network. You know, they, I feel for them because they were so traumatized with the experience that they left the faith. You know, they just lost hope with the religion itself. And I always believe that, you know, this, they represent, along with us, some of the greatest threat to the Islamist establishment because we know. You know, we can't be fooled. And so what I've just just loved watching is the Iranian women and the leaders there, like Masi Alinijad, flip the narrative on the far left and the Islamists and just shame them. Just stand up unapologetically for fundamental principles of human rights and women's rights and dare to tell people to call them Islamophobes, you know, while they're doing it, because that's what we have to do. Like, we have to reject this tactic of shaming us into silence and recognize what it is. It's just a, another disinformation, character assassination tactic used to discredit people with rational thought. And nobody should succumb to it. That's the clarity that I knew as a mom activist, Zuthi, that I couldn't even know fully as a Muslim feminist activist because you know that it's lonely, as you know, fighting within our community. But when it came, when they came for our kids, wow, the, the network is so vast. I have so many friends from so many different uh, places in that oppression matrix, you know, Chinese immigrants, uh, Korean immigrants, Arab immigrants, you know, uh, American, American born citizens here who grew up in Louisiana, West Virginia, uh, the, the, the depths and reaches of our nation and that no, like life is complicated. No single race has a ticket, you know, a golden ticket to success. I grew up in West Virginia. I know how much the uh, economic challenges of our white community there have handicapped them and their children. And so we are a diverse, diverse community, and we are the greatest threat, I think, that 
there exists to this woke army establishment because they can call us every name in the book and it just bounces off of us. My friend Suparna Dutta, she says she carries this rejection by the woke army and all their insults as a badge of honor. And and yeah. our friends in the Jewish community, they too are subjected to this because they are called white supremacists now by the Palestinian, you know, ideologues because they want in this hi- new hierarchy of human value to diminish the real uh, tragedies that have happened to Jewish people. And so they want to diminish their uh, own experience so that they can push their own agenda. And so, yeah, I think we are their worst nightmare. Amen. And when we come back, let's uh, end, Esra, if you could, uh, talking about these coalitions, the coalitions that every American should build between interfaith community, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, uh, uh, agnostic, all the different faith communities, ethnic communities that can form coalitions. And we'll talk last about our Clarity Coalition. You mentioned Clarity before, but we have a coalition called Clarity that's Muslims, non-Muslims joining against Islamism. And also I think your book sort of highlights why these coalitions are so important. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our final segment on Reform This and we are honored to be joined this week with, with uh, Ezra Nomani, the author of Woke Army, the Red-Green Alliance that is destroying America's freedom. And every American needs to care about this book, needs to buy it. Go to Amazon.com, look for Woke Army, Ezra Nomani, and uh, you will get – it's not just – don't even think about this as simply a book about activism. It reads – like a fiction novel and will keep you at the edge of your seat with real journalism and you will look at the last 10 to 20 years where many of us working on the front lines against Islamism had the exact same battles you're seeing now against the left in school districts and critical race theory battles against the radicalism of Black Lives Matter, the radicalism of free speech suppression against COVID, uh, uh, diversity of opinion. Ezra, we last left talking about coalitions. What are, I think the one major takeaway for your book is America will survive if we form coalitions based on meritocracy and ideas that we, we embrace in diversity and, and uh, uh, the value of the, the ideas themselves rather than the skin-deep nature of identity politics. What can they do to, to actually walk the walk and not just talk the talk? Yeah, like I want to encourage everybody to go on this path that I've found extremely successful. So Zuthi knows this about me. I'm um, very guarded, right, Zuthi? It's just nature of being a journalist, and you have the same dynamic, I know, from your own professional training. So when Zuthi and I first met, you know, we got to know our ideas and values, and then over the years developed this trust, right, that ended up at this meeting with many other Muslims in in Washington, D.C., off New York Avenue. And there we wrote our Muslim Reform Movement Declaration. We established our values. And importantly, we stayed on those values, you know. And what we did is we didn't create a 501c3 to push this new coalition forward, but we all worked within our own universes to contribute to the success of our values. And so fast forward to 2020, and I meet Suparna Dutta, I meet Yuyan Zhou, uh, and Glenn Miller and Helen Miller, other parents at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. We see this war on merit. Well, in, by August, when we see that it's for real, Glenn and I are on the phone and we're just batting ideas around and we're like, oh, shall we call it TJ Coalition? Shall we call it this? Well, we called it Coalition for TJ and we made a Facebook page. We created a website and we were off. You know, we had brought this disparate group of parents together, just like we had with the Muslim Reform Movement. And that's what I want to encourage everyone to do. Decide common values that you've got with others and keep it simple. Just make it as simple as you possibly can. It can be 
two of you, it can be five of you, it can be 10 of you, it can be a thousand. But now, today, all you need is a few to be able to get an account on Canva and create free graphics and a logo, run your Twitter account, send a MailChimp newsletter out to people, maybe start a Substack, and then send emails to have everybody show up at the school board or wherever you may be with their handmade signs reflecting the values that you care about. We've done it for the issue of merit when they when we learned that they had been withholding the National Merit Awards from students, including my son, in Fairfax County, Virginia. And guess what we did? We made national news. You know, Zuthi, it's just like you and I have done over all these years. You just work with the sincerity in your heart and there's going to be mistakes along the way you're going to find out oh this person's not exactly who i thought they were you know there's going to be all that happening but you just course correct and your group your community that might be in a chat you know in a telegram chat or whatsapp you make an impact in the world And it doesn't take much. You start writing op-eds. You write letters to the editor. And each person just does whatever they're comfortable doing, you know, taking whatever risk they are ready to take. And I'm so happy to have joined this effort. Zudi, if you want to remind everybody what it is on the Clarity Coalition, because it's just like that. Yeah, and I think what's what's amazing is is – the takeaway from from I hope what people are hearing you say is when you form coalitions based on common ideas that not only what you're against but what you're for, they will be strong and, and last forever as a legacy. The left's coalitions are going to fall, fall apart like a cheap suit because it's based on skin-deep identity. It's based on no value structure and simply opportunism, hypocrisy, and other things. So our Clarity Coalition, we just met as our uh, uh, foundational meeting back in Austria in Salzburg, Austria, back in October uh, 26th through the 30th. And CLARITY stands for Champions for Liberty Against Radical Islamist Tyranny. And it it included not only our Muslim reform movement leaders, but our non-Muslim allies from foundations and think tanks that were anti-jihad, anti-Islamist, and also uh, women's rights activists and and, uh, feminists, others. And we see that coalition actually coming to fruition from in supporting the revolution that's uh, had been a slow growing revolution in Iran to supporting Salman Rushdie after he was attacked last year in New York and and so many different uh, examples of how our coalition find our coalition go to claritycoalition.org and if you're interested please join us and uh, I think it's a template as Ezra has pointed out of so many other value based co- coalitions that can be successful Yeah, it's so inspiring, and it was so moving to me to meet so many members of the New Clarity Coalition in Salzburg. 20 years in this battle, and I met fellow warriors from Germany, from France, from the UK, you know, people who were all motivated by some type of suffering in order to try to create a new reality for our world in which we fundamentally depart from the extremist ideology of Islamism. What is that ideology? Identity politics. It's a new hierarchy of human value. It's about Muslim supremacy. And what we all have to do in whichever way we can is come together in order to promote, just like you said, Zuli, the values that we care about, which is humanism, equality, merit, you know, and I want to take back words like social justice, you know, and progressiveness, because ultimately, I do believe that all that we are fighting for is the improvement in society and the departure from ideas that are regressive and reductionary and ultimately divisive. And so I'm so excited about the campaigns that we have for the future and the many ways that we're going to be able to expand our coalition, enter into the space of the K-12 through schools and the indoctrination that's happening there. We have so much to share because we have seen indoctrination happen, you know, and 
We, just like so many of the Chinese immigrant parents, they can testify from their experiences in the Cultural Revolution, and we can testify from everything that we have seen and the way that madrasas, these schools, have been hijacked in order to indoctrinate children towards tyrannical ideas. Like we, we can be frontline soldiers in all of this because we are in a war. You know, it's a war of ideas. It's a war in of. Um, of um, governments, non-state actors, also, and uh, and I think just like you have said, we are fighting for something, and that's what we always, you know, keep as our north star. And so, before we leave uh, uh, today, can you address, you know, from the White House, for example, the press secretary just a couple days ago was asked about some woke ideologies and Disney and other things. Her response was that any criticism of woke is hate; it's 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 bigotry. What's your, what's your response to that? Because your book, Woke Army, invokes the term wokeism as as a a harmful concept. Tell me why Americans simply should be afraid of wokeism and and what harm it can do, and why it's not bigotry and not hate. Yeah, what we are fighting for is actual humanism and equality, and this is my simple argument is that we as a people understand that it is unacceptable to have a hierarchy of human value. As Muslim reformers, that's what we recognize. We know this to be true. We in Islam then do not accept the idea of Muslims and non-Muslims in the different levels, right? We reject that. We reject the criminalization of a human being based on their leaving Islam. You know, so we reject a hierarchy of human value as a global society, as a fundamental value system. Islamism, for example, is all about a hierarchy of human value, Muslim supremacy at the top. What we have to understand is that wokeism is putting forward a new hierarchy of human value. It is using a crazy uh, formulation, an algorithm based on identity politics. And that is not our value system as human beings. We do not evaluate that somebody based on the color of their skin is of higher value than another person, just as we reject the old hierarchy of human value that used to do that. Zuli, in Fairfax County Public Schools, these poor children literally were handed bingo cards for a game called Privilege Bingo. And in that privilege, they included as somebody who was privileged, somebody who is white, somebody who has uh, parents, mother and father, somebody who is also a military child. Can you imagine? So that military child who endures so much hardship is now being judged for their privilege. And so that's not okay. So from our children to society, we do not accept putting a dunce cap on anyone. And that's why you, your faith and belief that wokeism and Islamism is actually racist and is actually bigoted and intolerant is correct. Because any system that creates a new hierarchy of human value is bigoted, racist, sexist, and intolerant. And that's where I want everybody to always have clarity to use that great word now, have clarity that you just stick to that simple principle that there is no hierarchy of human value and there should not be a hu- hierarchy of human value and no, nothing from the um, you know bully pulpit of the White House or social media will shame you or silence you and you will stand strong with confidence for the values in which you believe and embrace. And, and in Woke Army... Get the book because it's not meant just as a read, but as an inoculation. I want you to to be inoculated to their tactics so that when you hear efforts like that to shame you and silence you, you'll know it. You'll understand it. It won't have an effect on your brain, and you will stand strong and unapologetically for the values that you care about. Well, God bless you, Ezra. That is amazing. I think, 
you know, what we just witnessed in the last couple minutes is sort of the Esra Nomani clinic in w- about what wokeism is and what the threat is and, and why you're such a hero. I think this book uh, uh, reads almost like a fiction novel in that uh, we see all these books that are, are fiction that people just are at the edge of their seat and will buy them. But this is a fact-based book by a, a, a uh, intrepid journalist uh, that is uh, doing the work that so few do. And it's just been an honor to have you on our program uh, on, on Reform This. And uh, you are amazing. Keep doing the work that you do. Please, everybody, get her book, Woke Army, the Red-Green Alliance that is destroying America's freedom. And follow her on Twitter at Esra Nomani and also myself at Dr. Zudi Jasser and uh, the rest of us at MuslimReformMovement.org, ClarityCoalition.org, and other coalitions. Bring us together to help preserve the legacy that is American legacy because our children are in the crosshairs of the Red-Green Alliance. Our children and our families are in the crosshairs of what American legacy will be and Without the Ezra's of the world, uh, uh, we don't have a chance. So thank you, Ezra, and it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. You, as a brother, have made me stronger, and it's because of this kind of courage that you model that we're going to win. We're going to win. Thank you. Take care. It's good to see you. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.